Warning, the following podcast may contain phrases such as... And so you cut your crust off with your teeth. I do, like a man. Three unwise men. Bum, bum, bum! With Frog. Grant. And Ryder. So yeah, this is... uh... This is a topic that is really near and dear to my heart here. I've had this discussion several times with several people across the thing. Huh. Yeah, yeah. I'm not joking about this. And I've been told that if you cut it diagonally, that it actually tastes better. And to that, I say bullshit. That is absolutely not true. But this has been a continuous fight. People are like citing delis. Like, and everybody I talk to is like, no, you cut it diagonally. And I'm like, you don't cut, what difference is, there is no difference to the meat. It's not like if you cut it, like, if you suddenly cut it horizontally, like all the flavor's gone, like you miss the magic tomato in there or something, right? But no, it's a, it's a continuous argument that if you cut it diagonally, that's somehow better. That's somehow superior to the other cut. In fact, I was called once a child because I cut it. On the horizontal. On the horizontal. Well, that was childish. No, but it was amazing. Well, why was it childish? Well, uh, look, look, look. How was it possible? Have childish? you ever have you ever seen a professional sandwich? Show? Oh, you're, you're with the Cut. pros. With the pros, you're you're like a pro supporter. I, well, I am. Uh, look, I, I I don't see any reason to just stray from the flock on this one. But by the way. It, First off, cutting things and the nature in which one cut things actually does like matter. That's why sushi chefs do what they do, oh. man. A, like, a peanut but- a sushi chef to a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What well, like the peanut butter and jelly sandwich is suddenly like, oh, this is less peanut butter and jelly because I didn't cut it diagonally. Well, you have much fewer bites that involve the crust, right? You're going straight into the middle of the sandwich. But the crust is good. Are you oh, an okay. anti-crust? So, so now, like now a- this is a this is where the the dissonance is. Now we've yeah. come down. Now we're at the heart of the goddamn matter. This is where we're at all right go right on. okay so, so you're you are, anti-crust i i feel that so you cut your crust off i well i don't cut the crust off but so, it's 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 a lesser experience to eat the crust for me a lesser it's where there's so much there, there's so much right. vibrance right. Uh, no 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 it's just it's tough it's chewy it's it's not where i find my joy like i'll eat it because i'm a fat dude and i eat fucking everything that comes within arm's reach <laughs> <laughs> so the knife the knife gets too close right right yeah, right yeah the knife I, gets too close i it's, fucking eat it yeah, yeah. yeah it's just, all of it you know this is this is why i weigh 300 so do you pounds. cut your crust diagonally or horizontally when you do it I, it sounds like he cuts it off it no, sounds no, like he I, literally I cuts I it off i don't cut the crust off but I find that eating crust is a less pleasurable experience. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying there's a qualitative difference. Yeah, but here's you're you're approaching your sandwich wrong, and and I mean that in the strong verbiage I just used. Okay. Because you approach sandwiches like you approach a cinnamon roll. You work on the no. outside. Oh, absolutely. You work on the outside. And you earn your warm middle, right? You earn that when you eat your sandwich. Same thing with the horizontal. Okay, so you you actually propose eating the crust first. Absolutely. And so you cut your crust off with your teeth. I do, like a man. Or a Trinosaurus Rex. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm here to inform you that not just men cut crusts off with their teeth. I don't know. Well, I know. Like a lumberjack. Don't lumberjacks do that? They do that. They cut the, the bark off of a tree. Sandwich. I mean, like they've got like ten minutes and they got to get back to work. Well, they certainly aren't worried about being horizontal now, are they? Well, no, probably not. But why? Why are we on lumberjacks? Like they're the culinary fucking experts. <laughs> they're, they're who I get all of my advice from. Le- okay. Well, <laughs> so the sandwich shop that you visited was populated by lumberjacks. By lumberjack. Well, if you're looking for good advice, you go to the lumberjack. That's my argument. That's my argument. I, and see, well, I would agree with you if we were talking about breakfast items. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but but if, in your argument though if you think if think about your argument effectively here your argument is that they don't have a lot of time for lunch so right. they're actually looking to get the most out of their sandwich but not not in terms of a flavor experience they're just looking to cram it down their mouths oh, as quickly oh, as possible right i think lumberjacks are humans too i think that they have fantastic taste buds well, it's entirely ex- possible, but that's not the purpose of the lunch of a lumberjack. So I think th- it is. We need to ask then, is a lumberjack able to eat a sandwich quicker when it's cut diagonally versus horizontally? Yeah, but I think we're equating speed with flavor, though. Well, and I, I, I think you're doing that. Well, I'm, what I'm, <laughs> what I'm purposely doing, I'm saying that there's no flavor difference. I've Like, what flavor difference is it? And, and what I am saying is you have less crust... To okay. deal with 
And therefore, there is a flavor difference. Like, it may be a flavor difference that you prefer, but you you can't tell me that the crust and the center of the bread taste the same. Yeah, but how big is, like, how big is this bread that you're, like, eating the sandwich on to where, like, you're only getting crust or you're only getting, like, you know, like, in fact, actually. Look, no, no, no. Here's the thing. If you are cutting it in a triangle, you've okay. got a hypotenuse of good, clean, fresh, biteable bread. So and, trigonometry is coming in. Well, it's, it's, it's a hypotenuse, I've got, I've got my it's, protractor out. And you've only got two sides of your sandwich that are crust. Okay. You cut that b- bastard on the hi- horizontal. Yeah. Now three sides of your sandwich are crust. Yeah, but if you think about it, you can, but if you, but if you have it diagonally. Right. You're like, you're, it's just narrow. Your non-crust surface area is, is, is less. No, so, but your access to non-surface, that's because your access is greater. What, do you just eat it? Like, do you cut it diagonally and you just like put it in your mouth like a mouth guard? Is that how you eat your sandwich? Isn't is that, that how everyone eats their that, sandwich? Is that essentially? It's not a taco. So you, you don't have, come at it from the side. That's you, how I do. What, what, you eat it like, what are you? You start from the center. What is this, like the, like the orange squares of sandwiches? Yes. You're like, this isn't a safety device. This is a piece of food. So you, you, you start the sandwich on the edge? Of as course though, I do. That's taco style. I, I, I eat my sandwiches outside in. How else do you eat it? Like, I don't just, like, fold it in half and, no, no, like, no, lick the, the middle hoping start, to get something I want. You start with the cut half. Okay. Right? And you come in from the cut edge, and you take a big bite on the uh, in the cut edge. And that first bite is glorious. But, yeah, then the rest of your sandwich is shit by your measure. So you, put, you have it all front. You have, like, the one good bite, and then the rest of your sandwich. Do you just throw it away? That That's why people are are, are hungry, Frog. Because of the side cut sandwich. We, that's exactly the case. <laughs> Argument one, right here and now. People go hungry in this world because, because okay, of the so, diagonal so cut. You cut diagonal if you cut, cut the sandwich on the hypotenuse, you are saying that more children in Ethiopia will starve. Correct. Okay. That's my argument. Info dumping. Oh, God. Okay. It's a common. It is. It's probably one of my larger hurdles as a fantasy writer. As a, I mean, this oh, is a, this is really common in, in any kind of speculative fiction. Sure, right? sure. As a writer in general, yes, but speculative fiction especially, right? Well, if you're, because yeah, because like let's say I say Paris, you know where Paris is, right? right you, you know, know what Paris entails. You don't a have to just, Eiffel Tower. There's yeah, a river. It's got yeah, bridges, right? Like, I mean, yeah, you've got a baguette. There's a warm baguette in your right. hand. Everyone's smoking. Yeah, and people are drinking baby <laughs> pee. This is the most stereotypical. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, this is all that. So we now have no French listeners. Well done. All French listeners. We've gone from zero to zero. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. Zero well, you can't zero. divide. But but the point I'm it's, trying to it's, make, though, it's, it's all right. good. All we have to do is threaten them. They'll surrender. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna threaten people into readers to listenership or whatever. Is that a thing? Is it listenship? Like if you're readership? French, shut the hell up and keep your listening. Audience. Yeah. <laughs> it's your audience. Um, so tell me. How we could threaten the French in an info dump way? We can't. Um, can't. Just, if you're doing an info dump, you're not doing anything at all. You're, not, you're right. certainly not being threatening. No, you're so. not, it, unless you're the only thing you're threatening is boring your reader. Ooh, yeah. Well, I mean, that, Here, here's the issue. Here's here is what an info dump. You bring it home yes. for us here. Let's 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 get started. So it's it's the beginning of your book, and you've got a badass new world. It's an amazing world. You spent a lot of time on this world. You have spent a shit ton of time More on this world. More than you ever imagined you could. Right. You've built an intricate, you know, if it's fantasy, you've built an intricate magic system. Sure. If it's sci-fi, you've built an intricate technological construct. Which are ultimately the same thing. Right. It's just it's, a matter of what the veneer is you've put on yeah, it. Right? Like, right. But you've got your MacGuffins in place. Mm-hmm. You've got, you know, your society that you've built. You know who the leaders are you know how they operate right you've got maps you've got you've got more maps you know what to do with you've got ship designs if you're doing well, it, yeah it is all precious to you and it's it's all pre- you have put weeks months oh into years this even world. yeah and you know how it all comes together right so you know how each part so it's all very very dear all, how all the gears work right and now you finally sat down now that you have put all of this work into world building you are now going to write a book in this world. Okay. And, of course, the first thing from your perspective, the most important thing to do is to tell the reader about the world. Well, you have to know the world, right? You, you have, have to the know the world. The book. Absolutely. How are you possibly going to understand what happens in the book if you don't know the world? And so what you need to do in Chapter 1 
is just drop all that info as quickly as possible on the reader by writing it all down. As much oh. as you humanly can. As much as you can possibly cram into that chapter. Ideally just, saying things like, well, you know this, don't you? Well, it, if you get into dialogue and it's an as-you-know, Bob. Yeah, it, if you manage to get into dialogue. If you manage to get that far. You, occasionally, you just have the narrator turn directly to the reader and just dump it. Yeah, and if you're not sure if we're being mildly sarcastic here, we're actually, at least for me, I'm speaking from experience. Yeah. My first chapters or my first attempts at all this, it was all so precious to me. And so, of course, the reader had to know absolutely every bit of it. Yeah. And then you spend this time describing it intricately with beautiful sentences, and you've got all this going on, and it is the least interesting tripe you possibly could have ever put on the page. It reads like a Wikipedia article. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And nobody picks up an encyclopedia for like, a, like, God, I've had a rough day at work. Let's bring some Britannica into the right. bedroom. Let's, let's yeah. just crack open let's, volume. You, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to it's hear the about... M's. The M's. <laughs> I'm into the M's now. Crack. It's been a rough day. Bring Monticello. Me the <laughs> Monticello yeah. has has the following exports. Right. No, no, you don't want to read that. That's not fun to read. But as a writer, it feels so natural to oh boy, write it? down everything you have built. And of course it's interesting. You spent so much time mm-hmm. building it. It's so precious. It is absolutely You're like Gollum with the frickin' one ring. Absolutely, yeah. You want to trumpet all of your achievements that you've managed to wrangle together over the last couple years of putting your universe together. Right, right, right. And you you just you want that out there. Because you've got a whole story to tell, and if you can get that out on the table as quickly as possible, then... Well, then you could just tell the story. You just tell the story. And, mm-hmm. and, the, and therein was your problem and also your solution. Exactly. Because then I can tell the story, right? Here we go. Let's, let's dissect this. If I give them all this information, then I can tell them the story. You cut off the then I can, and you, you just tell them the fucking story. Just tell them the story. Here, here is the great secret to info dumping. Your reader doesn't need to know all this shit. No, there's no reason to. Your reader doesn't need to know everything about your world. Your reader only needs to know those things that are absolutely necessary to know to understand chapter one. Now, this raises a very good question, though. Do you as an author need to know? You as an author may very well need to know. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying all of that work you put into world building went to waste. That's the point. And the reader may need to know something new in Chapter 8. When it's going to be that work you put in, those precious things that you developed and then they come into later on, you're going to be standing on those, climbing on those as you develop your story, as you create your story. That kind of work, it's not for naught. No. In fact, you can't get... You can't get you can't a rich, get, fully developed world without it. No, you can't. So, no, it's 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 all very, very important. But your your story starts when the with with the character. Yeah, your story starts. Okay, I have said often, and and will continue to say often at any panel that I am on, that readers like setting, they like world, mm-hmm. they like plot, they like theme, they like all of these things. Mm-hmm. But the only thing readers fall in love with is characters. Yes. Mm. Yes. The only thing a reader will fall in love with is your character. Mm-hmm. And so whatever your character is, that needs to be front and center from word one. And the conflict. Right. In one way, shape, or form or another. Right. There has to be some form of conflict on the page, certainly. Yeah, there's got to be something deriving. But you're absolutely right. It's that character. They care about it. They hate it. They care about it. Right. And then something, the mechanism of change. Of course, the, the absolute best thing is that they love it. The second best thing is that they absolutely hate it. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah, those are your, yeah. Those are. Um, you it, feel indifferent about it. Right, indifference is the worst possible the reaction. Because you want emotional. You want emotion. You want people to connect to them. You absolutely. And, and you can't connect to like the, well, on the 3rd June, the festival of the already nobody cares. Right. Mm-hmm. But they no. do care if your character is, is celebrating the festival. Yeah. Or on the 3rd June, that, that celebration is a celebration wherein they are sacrificed. Suddenly. So now you have, and you now have a character you care about, you're sympathetic for, and it, it invokes something primal. And the more you can invoke things that are primal, traditionally, at least the more interested I become. 
Right. I don't no, know no, if that's no. a hard, fast rule, but it's like I, you know. No, it, it, it absolutely is. I mean, look, we've got a series of things that we are almost almost evolutionarily programmed to oh, respond sure. to. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Food, sex. Yeah. Um, you know, we like try to... Pre- comfort. Well, that's the thing. We, we, we try to pretend like we're beyond all these things, right? But we're like not. we're not, you know, and they're absolutely guiding lights and they're really, really, really important to tug on rage oh yeah you reach Mm -hmm. just reach into the soul and twist that's ultimately what you're doing in a really nice way but the point is is that like all of those things again all the things we're talking about are are about what you know they're they're about a person they're about a person and then how that person interacts with the with the environment is very important you know that being said can you have a character you really care about walking around in a white room you know that becomes not not for long not for long at all you know what i mean so they want so it's it's a very it's you know it's kind of like the movie avatar right you uh, you 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 upload them into their avatar and then the environment was how interesting right right mm-hmm. very very and interesting now i was like i want to learn all this stuff because yeah, i have yeah, i'm yeah. through a character in that case literally right yeah but that's exactly what you're ultimately doing so you anchor them into that avatar right and then you know then they want to explore the most I'm interesting thing you can to what is Possibly the most detailed world in speculative fiction at the oh, moment. Oh, I'm intrigued. Go. Which, which I, I'm just going straight for Game of Thrones, which is yeah. everyone mm-hmm. knows it. Let's look at the first couple of chapters of Game of Thrones. Right. You you start with this prologue, and what do you what do you get there? Do you get do you know anything that's no. going on with the kingdoms? Do you know what the Iron Throne is? Do no, you know what's across the Western Sea? No, you you know fuck all. Mm-hmm. You know about four guys in a frozen wilderness confronting some undead guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. That's all you get in the opening scenes of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's enough to make you go, what the hell is going on here? Well, it does a couple of very, very important things. Right. It does. It, it establishes world. It yep. establishes conflict. You yes. know you're, instant, you're instantly in fantasy. Right. You know, you know you're, you're anchored in these, like, these, these things right off the start. And then, so now you have these expectations, and then the reader is like, well, then what? And then immediately things go sideways on you, and you're hooked. Right. And every time there's a new scene, that new scene has just enough description of the world to get you through that scene. Well, and are you, and so you say, I say, I say Game of Thrones. I, I, I somewhat say Wheel of Time here. Okay. Agreed. Mm. Same sort of principle. Same principle. Very complex world. You initially, Rand is what? On a horseback going to a village? What does he see right off the start? A Mithadriel. I probably mispronounced that. Mithral, I think. Mithral, yeah. Mithral, yeah. Yeah. R- w- just immediately. Standing immediately. In field. Standing in a field, casting no shadow. Right. Beautiful touch. How good is that touch? Right. No shadow, right? So, e- holy the, shit. The absence. Immediately. So, something you think, whatever, and then it's immediately wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now you immediately know, and you're in this mundane place, and that's important because it gives the reader, uh, you, you know, a useful. I understand what baked bread smells like. I understand, right? How you know, wind feels through how, a grassy exactly. field. Exactly. Yeah, We've this, all done these things, and, and this so, is normal, and it's every day. And but that's that guy's not, got no fucking shadow. That and, guy has no. And it's going to pull them in. They're yeah, going to say exactly. why? Why? Is there and no they're going to get pulled in. But again, nowhere in the first like third of Eye of the World. Do you deal with anything but the Two Rivers area? No, absolutely not, actually. And it's one of those things where it, it, it does one of the best jobs of, of bringing a reader in and combining the two worlds, one you understand and one, and you, don't. one you don't, and then immediately setting stakes that are high. I mean, off the, off the bat. Right. You get slapped right off the bat. Yeah, there, and another important thing uh, to note is that an info dump, doesn't necessarily happen just in the beginning of books. You can see them happen pretty much anywhere as well because the uh, the writer feels like there's some important need to be associated with whatever that character's doing because five years ago there was this, this event and what have you, and suddenly the reader's sitting there looking at a history dump for the next page right in the middle of a chapter in the middle of the book. Very true. Um, and occasionally you do need to know what happened five years ago. And there are ways to establish that that aren't just breaking the action, turning to the reader and right. dumping it. Right. Do flashbacks and stuff like that. The do per- flashbacks. Do dialogue. Dialogue's a great tool for dumping dumping the world. Yeah. The person that I've actually found, um, I'm reading right now, is Brian Stavely. Okay. And read Brian Stavely. Uh, fantastic. Okay. Just fantastic. In fact, I'd love, love to have him on. Both he has a great personality. You know, I follow him 
you know, yeah, maybe, maybe we can get him. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he's gonna. Yeah, let's have his people call. He him. will. Let's yeah, have our people call him. Yeah, people. let me. Yeah, he'll be like, Who are you? <laughs> right. But no, I mean, I'm sure we. I mean, we're gonna have a lot of people on on here, and I think I'd love to have have him on. And one of the reasons um, I think he's really useful to do that is in Brian Stavely's book, uh, particularly the first one. The characters, there's three, have a lot of. They're at this place for a period of time. And so it does a lot of this happened recent, like up till now. So he does a lot of backstory, but yet it's pacey. Hmm. Nice. And it's that's very difficult to do. Nice. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to ask him about that. Yeah, because I, and I'm curious how long that actually took him. That must have taken him forever. Yeah, yeah to, to be able to prune that so it has pace and yet and has yeah. meat. Mm. And keep it and keep it in character because he, he keeps tying it back into the characters, and so I think that's really you know I, I don't know I thought it was beautifully done. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, we'll probably have to get him alongside uh, when we get Tom Hiddleston in here too. <laughs> Tom, <We're>, that <laughs> will happen eventually. We have an ongoing thing for yeah. those who aren't aren't aware. We have an ongoing thing where we are we are eagerly awaiting Tom Hiddleston. Yes. Do we even does he even write anything? I don't think he's... No. Do we care? <laughs> no. Does it matter? Probably not. Can you imagine if he actually came on? I, I, no. Look, I, I, I would put the microphone next to my pants so that people could hear me shitting in them. <laughs> that would God, not, I hope that not. Would not so I now, really hope not. That's, so now we're hoping... Tom, Hi, Tom. <laughs> oh, God. Well, this was a mistake. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, the yeah. one... <laughs> Our one oppor- you have one job. You have one job. <laughs> yeah, I've completed that's all my not, jobs. Yeah. Don't do an audio shit on yeah. Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> Just don't do that. (laughs) All right. Coming up next, we have ourselves a commercial break from our somewhat sponsors, and we'll be right back with you. Does your grilled cheese sandwich taste like penned up meat after being reheated? Are you concerned that the metallic substance around your head is not entirely vegetarian? Does your tinfoil seem like it has the tears of child labor embedded into it? Look no further. Buy organic tinfoil. Leftovers? Solved. Murder mysteries? Unsolved forever. With organic tinfoil, you can get away with pretty much anything and still attend the Vegan Rally Unscathed. Get your organic tinfoil at 3 Unwise Men Market now. Welcome back with us as you join us for another interview on 3 Unwise Men. Sitting alongside us over the internet, ironically, is Voss Foster. Voss, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Awesome. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm, uh, I live in central Washington, middle of the desert, you know, on fire half the year, but. Uh, <laughs> How is it currently? Uh, currently not on fire. I'm that's hoping good... that's fixed. So, like, w- could that change while you're on the air with us here? Just at any Possibly. point? Possibly. That would... it, it's, it's getting up there in temperature. It's about 100 right now. Oh, so. Geez. Okay, well, if it does, and if you find yourself mm-hmm. burning, by all means, stay on the line. Yeah, we do We not, need to finish this I, segment. I <laughs> Whatever it takes for the viewers. I right, right, right. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of our viewers. Yeah. yeah, all we've got a lot of them, and they're all really excited to make sure that we don't let you burn up. Actually, we will have more if you light yourself on fire on the air. So. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> I think we have. So we're going to end the segment with that, Voss. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, we, there's a lot of people who'd like to see me lit on fire, I'm sure. So. <laughs> I'm curious well, I've heard to, you described as flaming before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, curious to, I'm curious as to how people are going to see that on a podcast, you know, with audio. You know, just audio. With their imagination. Oh, you know, right, that, right. this I is mean, good. It'll be like those old school uh, radio shows. Yeah. I mean, it, it, look, just some crackling and some screams. In fact, if we could have you just... I'll patch that in, yeah. you know, in, in post right now. Just add some crackling fire and some screams. Just yeah, I'll see if I can find a YouTube clip that has that, and I'll just throw that in there. Right. And in fact, in fact, just just go with your your basic standard Wilhelm scream, and we'll be all good. Ah! <laughs> that was um, so. We've reached our low point for the day, Voss. So go ahead. And... <laughs> uh, I'm glad I could. So. Five, we're, we're two minutes into the interview and we've already suggested lighting our guest on fire. <laughs> we're doing well. We're doing well for ourselves. Yeah. So, Voss, what are you working on right now? Right now I'm working on uh, the beginning of a series for my other erotic pen name. Um, oh, wow, lovely. Whoa, hey. Nice. Uh, yeah. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> Secondary world fantasy MM erotic romance. So we'll see how those work together. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't even aware that you had a second pen name. I do. 
what, yes. what, what is your second pen name? Voss is your Ra- first, obviously. Yeah. Raven DeHart. Okay. Nice. Your pen names are way better than mine. <laughs> I feel like you've, like, I need to, like, call you up and be like, so, I need some good pen names. <laughs> Grant the Destroyer was not, no one wanted to pick up a book. So why, why separate the pen names? That's yeah, my question. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, because when I first started publishing under Voss Foster, I was publishing young adult fiction. So having the erotica and the young adult under the same name would have possibly been messy. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> okay, last week I was talking about getting sued by Tom Hiddleston, but now, yes. now we're, we're, we're verging into criminal territory. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying that that could be a lot of mixing up of like Google and search searching there. So. Sure. Sure. Exactly. Well, but, so what's going to happen as the result of this podcast is Tom Hiddleston's going to get uh, mixed in together with erotica on Google. Is that my understanding here? Is that like I'm, Rule 34? Go ahead, Voss. Or offered a part in the Rocky Horror Bullwinkle show. <laughs> Ooh. I'd watch that. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So what do you... I, I'm As I kind of... We talked a little bit prior about you here. Um, you mentioned cooking. <laughs> I mentioned what? Cooking. Oh, yeah. I studied, actually, for years, I studied, like, professional cooking. So, yeah. So what, what styles are you into? Mostly, I just, at this point, cook what you know, I was taught to cook, depression-era food, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I studied a little bit into molecular gastronomy, but it's really expensive, so Whoa. I don't do it a lot. <laughs> Whoa. So, so I'm, um, let's back that up to something I understand. You studied what now? Molecular gastronomy. I don't know it's, what that is. Um, it's a modern form of American cooking. It deals with um, changing textures, and you know those fancy people who use liquid nitrogen and all that crap. I've never seen those shows. Oh yeah, yeah. I make really I good scrambled eggs with that. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I've never <laughs> on liquid nitrogen, but I've studied some of the techniques. So interesting. Wow. So what would you? If Actually, you were... I want to point something out here. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna interrupt you, cheeseburger guy, because yeah, I want to point something out here, and that is that uh, Voss and I both yearly end up on a camping trip together. We're going next week, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious at this point why it is that I always get stuck with the cooking. I volunteered. <laughs> really good question, Last year, I volunteered, and everyone just said no. And I'm like, well, fine. All right, well, I'm sticking you with some of it this year. That's that's okay. Now that I know that you're like studied in cuisine and stuff. <laughs> Please, I, I beg you. I tried so hard. <laughs> well, to be fair, Voss... You could just tell them that that you don't have the right liquid ni- nitrogen. You're just <laughs> right, not, right, sure, yeah, the the liquid nitrogen at the Tolbridge to... campground and <laughs> yeah, subpar. It's there not, just isn't. They're not known. The campground of America guide says like subpar liquid ni- nitrogen tanks. <laughs> I'm glad we had this conversation. I'm curious about what are some meals that you would cook using that method. Or freeze, actually, I guess. You actually cook regular food. It's just in the preparation of it. Mm-hmm. It's the way it textures out. It's, you know, the chemicals that you add in, like you're using industrial chemicals like xanthan gum and that sort of thing to make different textures. So, so what, it, what would an example texture be? Well, like you can create a sandy texture with certain powders, certain gums and that sort of thing. What mm-hmm. would you put that on? Like what, uh, if you were to bring me, would it be, would I have Sandy pancakes. No. Just flour? It's something that's already prepared, like you use it as a garnish, you mix it with peanut butter, it turns it kind of into a powder. Wow, really? Yeah, and so it's just, a lot of it's playing with expectation more than, you know, Americans don't create any original food, we just screw with everyone else's. That's interesting. Last week we had a debate about uh, how one cuts a sandwich. Yes. And it's interesting, we could... Just wait. What? What was that? Hold on. Powderize the sandwich, Voss. Which way did you say? You cut it diagonally. Oh, oh we have a winner. suck it down. <laughs> oh, Voss. Okay, Voss. You're 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 a trained mechobiologist, nuclear scientist, sandwich maker, um, <laughs> and with your professional training, that's that's a formal title. <laughs> he has a, he has a plaque that has right, it on right, it. right, right. Why? Why diagonally? Why is it like, was it just like this king back in days, Yor had it diagonally and like someone got beheaded for bringing it horizontally so now no one does it? Or is there like a functional reason? It's actually easier to cut perfect halves. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. Oh, it has to do with laziness. 
<laughs> Look at okay. Wow. Uh, those of you out here in podcast land can't see Grant's face right now, but yeah. it's amazing. It's, yeah. He has just had a fucking revelation. I did. <laughs> I mean, I of course I measure everything. Oh. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, you'd have to cutting on the horizontal like you do. Well, yeah. I and can't believe we're back into this discussion. Like <laughs> a week ago, we spent like ten minutes discussing this, and now we're back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but but I think we're we're learning new information. Voss is bringing new things to light. It's true. Is that really why? Like, is that like, is there like a textbook? Like, if I was given a test in culinary school and they were like, why horizontal? I would it, I would I would gain that I would gain points for that. No, but just the way that bread cooks, especially the store bought bread, if everyone thinks that the little lumps on the top are gonna make it even if they cut down the middle and they're not even, but if you cut corner to corner, you're making even triangles. Wow. So it's not a textbook thing. It's just a. Uh, It's common sense, is what he's saying. Is there is there written tests in culinary school? Yeah, is there really? Yeah. Do you have to do when you were in culinary? I know we're like we're 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 clearly really focused on your writing career right now as we sit here (laughs) and talk about your culinary expertise. Um, But like, do you guys have to do like bubble tests? The little do you remember those from like when you know like you're gonna like the aptitude tests in high school? Like, are you gonna be a an astronaut or are you so number two pencil type? Yeah, yeah. Those are scantrons. Wasn't it called scantron tests? I don't know. We didn't actually use scantrons, but there were tests where you had to you know put out your basic knowledge of. This is what a Brunoise is. This is what a Julienne is. This is how you tournay. This is blah, blah, blah. Wow. I know all of four of those words. <laughs> I think he said three, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know the words you were about to say. Yeah, he's good like that. So which one do you like writing more? I know it's a loaded question that you're probably not going to be able to answer, but which which are your two pen names? Is like, do you enjoy kind of like operating under, or does it kind of shift back and forth, or I guess you tell me? It, it goes back and forth because some projects just don't need the erotic element in them. And then some projects where that's the main, you know, the romance and the erotic blossoming and all that. So it just depends on which story happens to be right there. <laughs> so I'm curious about when you're diving into writing erotica, what's your story building process like? What what elements go in there that might otherwise be not considered for other story types? I actually use the same outlining method, basically, for whatever I'm writing. I use a... It's based on um, the five plot points from Hollywood and the eight sequences. Mm-hmm. So it's a cinematic outlining thing. So it hits the same beats. It just depends on if you're focusing more on the romance here, then you're going to be... A lot of times, a lot um, deeper into the heads and the emotions and personal interaction scales a lot smaller when I'm writing sci-fi fantasy. And which do you um, do you find? So we had an interesting discussion, right? <clears throat> at at one point, where authors were talking about they would write the full erotic scene for a sci-fi fantasy, and then with it, like kind of asterisk that they may cut some of that out later on. I don't know. Do you when you're writing your sci-fi fantasy, do you just write all of it the same, and then you end up thinking you're going to cut something out, or do you just realize you're going to fade to black? I pretty much, if I'm writing straight sci-fi fantasy, well, it's never really straight, but just science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I pretty much don't have the erotic scenes in there. They're implied if they're there at all. So does the story still focus a lot more on the? emotional aspect of the characters in that sense i do write a lot of very close down emotion thought inner character kind of stuff so yeah Mm -hmm. although i don't i I mean your storylines do get kind of i'm at the advantage of both grant and cheeseburger guy here in that i've i've actually read yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> some of us, and so he does. He does get a little bit bigger than just the. I mean, he has the personal, but it it does grow from there. There's a bigger scope. There, there's a bigger scope. I've only read Zirko a Fantastic. Like what? That's the one that I've actually read. You've got a couple yeah. of others out there. A couple, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the others? Well, uh, Zirko a Fantastic is the first book of the King Jester trilogy, mm-hmm. which the third one is coming out this year finally. Oh, finally. <laughs> And then I have The Park, which is the first of Evanstad Media Presents. Mm-hmm. And the second book should be coming out next month, if I remember my schedule at all. And then I have a few standalones. I have my short story collection. And then I have The Mountains of Good Fortune. And where could we find some of these things if we were, you know, for those out there lo- are looking for you now? They're all on Amazon, or you can go to my blog, which is just vossfoster.blogspot.com. And I have them all linked there. 
to their buy pages. So very good stuff. So I get I guess the 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 question that I've seen asked for other people who've uh, written erotica before was, what was that first foray like? What was your de uh, deflowering? Of writing erotica, what was that? Has anyone else noticed the cheeseburger guy is just going straight for the erotica? Yeah, what, dude. Yeah. <laughs> what you guys can't see is that as as he starts talking about it, he leans closer. Those, right, right, right. Those he, he, does the, he does yeah, the sexy mic thing. Wants to know. Oh. So tell me, yeah, when you when you were writing your first erotica, very excited about it. What when you were when you were deflowering the pen? What, dear Lord? Go ahead, boss. Let's, <laughs> let's scoot off this immediately. Jesus Go ahead, Christ. boss. I actually started in high school, and it was really bad. <laughs> as 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 most things in high Wait, school I'm, related I'm, to that are. As most I'm, things on paper or on not. I am pretty sure that that's true of all of us. Actually, yeah, like, we, we've got a common bond there. Yeah, yeah, we we all really. I think we've all written bad erotica in high school at some point. Or, or I, been I, bad erotica in high school. Yeah. <laughs> or been bad erotica in high school. Yeah, that was like currency for me because I was poor as crap. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, hey, your birthday's coming up. Uh, I'll write you some porn. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this, is, this is very... Voss, this is very clearly pre-internet. I'm getting out of this. Right. It must have been. Yeah. Did they just not no. have... No, it wasn't. They're, it wow. wasn't. Oh. So would you, would you write them into the porn? Was it like, I will write a scene with you and... I don't know, pick someone. Yeah. Right? No, you it, and Heidi Klum. It was real people, but <laughs> it was not wow. with them. No. Because normally I was writing it for... You know, my girlfriends, and they obviously weren't going to be in there with what I write. <laughs> so I'm curious, when you said girlfriends, was it concurrent or separate relationships? Friends that are female. Okay, gotcha. A girlfriend. Yeah. Girl. How did it, like, like did how did that start? That's what I'm really shooting at. Like, because I can't imagine the icebreaking conversation for that. In fact, I wish I could, because it'd be like, hey, <laughs> so I have this Hallmark card. It's kind of shitty. There's this unicorn on the front and like. Also some porn. Also, yeah. Or, or, like, that's a big or, isn't it? Oh, like. Okay, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like here, I've got this cart. Or, or, like, that's a big or. Like, if someone offered me, like, here's some orange juice or a hand grenade, right? So, like, how did you, how did you introduce that? Well, I knew it was people I knew were going to appreciate it. Sure. Who wanted that kind of thing. I didn't just do it with strangers, you know. Oh, God, I wish you would have. That fantastic. <laughs> Can you do that now for me? I wonder if that's a business model. I think it is. Listeners out there in podcast land, let us know. <laughs> do you still do it, Voss? Would you still like write erotica for someone? If I thought they wanted it, sure. If they, if they paid you enough? Well, I'll- <laughs> <laughs> but payment well, methods optional. No, you heard, you heard it here first, folks. There is custom made erotica out there. Voss is, that's is actually no. That's actually a really big business. Oh, is it? Really? Wow. There are a lot of people who will charge a lot of money to write custom erotica. Interesting. Wow. I never did that, but well, it sounds like yeah, I'm missing out. Yeah, there's, there's a whole market thinking? there. Yeah, totally untapped. See, you were giving me crap for diving into it. Now your curiosity's peaked. Well, now there's a monetary. Yeah, yeah, there's money <laughs> involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like there's this financial advantage. I mean, we all know that basically two things are important in life: money and sex. Clearly, you and I have different priorities, Cheeseburger. <laughs> Well, if I can have both at the same time, then so be it. So, well, I don't want to ima- spend it. I imagine for you, one one involves the use yeah, of the other. Yeah, one, one. <laughs> hey. One, one brings in the other one. One brings in the other. Some people, and we're not, we're not going to say which comes first. I mean, this pe- is a whole chicken and the egg scenario for you folks to imagine. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and either one is considered illegal. Right. Uh, well, you know, they say gateway drugs. I just have gateway money, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> So the, the people there's are there forums where that's requested? I mean, how do how do I didn't even know that existed? No, no, no. This is if anyone asked me what I learned today, that, <laughs> that would be it. Yeah. So, um, well, I guess the bigger question then is, uh, what has kept you from going into that? Uh, I don't know. I just always preferred to have more control. And when you do custom erotica, there's a lot more control in the person buying hands obviously oh. and I, I imagine it would be weird to get like very intimate fetishes of this random person you don't know off the internet like that too that too yeah like <laughs> what i need i need is some erotica involving three onions and a duck mm-hmm. can you like <laughs> and now you have to live with that for the rest of your life like there is a person out there in the world for whom that's the fetish yeah and, and, and that cost me a good five dollars 
right to, to, to purchase. That took me a while <laughs> yeah, to get I mean, that. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, that was actually. What is the, was it worth it? What's the oh, going price for boy. that stuff? <laughs> Let me tell you, it was worth it. The whole I, five bucks. What's the going price on that I, stuff? I have not looked into it in so many long, long time. Because I, have, I think we're all looking at a business opportunity here. If I were to, if I were to look at this, I was just like, hmm, I can put words down and people pay me. I'm trying to figure out a way to, con- cause I, I feel like we should try and tailor this vis- business specific to Voss. And yeah. so I'm trying to, I'm trying to find mm-hmm. a way to mix this with the culinary. And there are Ooh. a whole bunch of food fetishists out there. Yeah. And so I think his particular expertise may be of use. Well, let's ask Voss. In fact, Voss, <laughs> if you were to write a food pornography or erotica, rather, how and what? And just why don't you just take that and ride ride yeah, in the sunset with it? And, and Actually, <laughs> Actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you know. You you hit gold. <laughs> you hit you, you, you hit yeah on the hail on no yeah no, I, nail on the head. Go ahead. I had a scene in a Christmas thing, and it, it was just a flashback scene. It was pretty short, but it was a Christmas erotic romance <laughs> short. And there was you know steak and a little you know. He was, there was a, a really, yeah, it was on his body and, yeah. What? So. <laughs> so what? Ho, ho, ho. Hold on, hold on. Let's, let's, let's back this up here. Um, cause I'm intrigued and aroused all at the same time. Um, so was it, they, they were eating steak off of someone's body? Yes. So oh, okay. I have more safety concerns than anything else. I mean, because if they have to go to cut the steak, what's I, the... I imagine it would have to be pre-sliced. Yeah. Well, who, who pre-slices? No. No. Oh, no. So, no. so oh. this was kind of like some go hardcore bondage stuff then. A little bit, yeah. It kind of crossed over onto that other side. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Outside of the vanilla. Well, Outside yeah, the there, vanilla. Is, there is no point. I there like... is no point where <laughs> eating a steak off of someone is ever vanilla. That is like, there is no like 1960s housewife. Like... I love that it's a steak. Like, I've seen it with sushi. Like or any yeah those sushi yeah because they do those sushi things where they like you know the the the, the lady lays out and whatever they eat sure, the sushi sure. off of them right you know but a steak is this like a Montana thing is this like the Montana I, version of sushi I don't remember where I said it actually it was it was when I was first starting with publishing erotica so it was a while ago that's an amazing do you still like have this piece yeah. I love that it's specific for Christmas it's yeah, in a book somewhere. Yeah. I don't remember which one it's in. So, White Christmas. Because that was the anthology. Oh, oh sure. Yeah. Right to the market. Yeah, yeah. I like how we like all know. We're like, <laughs> why, why is there this random plot point? We're all like struggling to figure out, like, well, that was the anthology. Like, that was the submission guidelines. And we're all like, oh, oh right, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. I know how I do that. Yeah. No, we, <laughs> and what's funny is that crosses the boundary from, like, this is a, a weird erotica tale. Yes. And. All of us are sitting here thinking, yeah, that makes sense no matter what. I mean, it, yeah, like it all comes together suddenly. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, that's, we, that's an experience we've all had. <laughs> that, 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 that really, that really was kind of the, the quintessential moment there for right. that. Cause I was like listening along. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. You know, to each their own. A little saucy. Literally. Right. A little weird. And, and then you're like, of course for Christmas. Like, of course, right? Like, why wouldn't you do that for Christmas? <laughs> like, what, that was awesome. So uh, outside of the erotica scope. Yeah. Because we know that you've written other stuff. Uh, what else, uh, what other areas have you ventured into in terms of uh, storylines? Oh, God. Um, That's a I, good one. I do a lot of, well, when I started, I was writing very pretty dreary. I still write fairly dark fiction, but mm-hmm. I wrote my first book that I admit to writing. was <laughs> <laughs> So true. Go on. Was um, not even really post-apocalyptic. It was the apocalypse, and you know the world and at yeah. the end. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pre in a way, or it's during. Yeah, yeah mid-apocalyptic. 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 Right. should be. A so genre. you created a genre, basically. <laughs> Of food, yeah. Christmas, a new a new form of Christmas caroling, and then also also a new sub mid apocalyptic yeah mid apocalyptic yeah. literature. There's your story, copyright 2015. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I do write a lot about world in peril sometimes. Oh yeah, but then like current also, world or second world. I did say mostly, that he, his storylines got bigger, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, I like how you prefaced all this for him. You're like, <laughs> so world in peril. Go on. Yeah, normally it's on Earth. I write. My urban fantasy, contemporary fantasy is often, you know, big, big picture, world in peril stuff. And then my science fiction tends to be a lot closer down into people's lives. So I love that when you have an entire galaxy to tap, it becomes 
closer. Yeah, that's interesting. Ah. Actually, I was literally thinking about that. So, like in your fantasy, it's you expand out, but in your sci-fi, when it's already expanded, you bring it back in. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Huh. I'm dumbfounded. Yeah, there, there's uh, something to that, though. Yeah, there is. There's a, there's a genius to it. And I can't understand it because I am not genius. I'm not genius either. <laughs> this is why he's boss, and we're and we're just we're, a couple of schmucks with yeah, the podcast. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's why he's the one who's important here, and we're just kind of hanging out. Right. So um, recently, we ran a commercial, uh, and we figured that it would be actually a really good question to pose to you, given your culinary background. It's, it's a new product that... Uh, has started coming out to a lot of diff- a lot of the different uh, organic food stores, and uh, we wanted to get your opinion on organic tinfoil. What in the actual? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? So, mm-hmm, yeah, um, yeah. There, there's... Well, that was about the reaction. Mm-hmm. I expected we have very that. weird sponsors. Our, yeah. our sponsors. Look, we're just starting. Yeah. Oh, sponsors. Um, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I love how immediate he is. Yeah, that was like so. Oh, awesome. sponsors, yeah, yeah. That's great. yeah, it's the number one. Yeah, it's like I love. No, it. no. Supposedly, it's it's <laughs> Christ. <laughs> so, I mean, supposedly, he you know, he knows nothing about the podcast format, right? Like. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. So uh, when they when they came to us, because uh, we we really had the same question. When they came to us, I like how we're still, we're not we're not clarifying this at all. We're, not, we're just leaving him. You're just like so in the dark. It's, yeah, we're sorry already. Yeah, yeah we could. Yeah, but we're not. <laughs> we're not because that initial reaction was fabulous. Yeah, that was. No, we take our sponsorships from wherever we can get them, honestly. Um, and now yeah. we, we know about an erotica market. We might actually be able to get some sponsorship from there. But oh, regarding, <laughs> regarding the organic tinfoil. So to expand our warnings at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> As if, if you made this far in, trust me, you're already desensitized. Yeah, right. yeah now it's, now it's sauerkraut and Yeah. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> would you, uh, would you include Organic tinfoil as product placement and any of your erotica. I probably could if I knew what it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's so uh, instead of uh, they 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 guarantee that there is no use of child labor, which is good. Uh, uh-huh. they, they guarantee that the tin was free range. Hold on, hold on. Who uses child labor <laughs> in aluminum foil? It's like a factory. There's not like tin, 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 tin. Yeah, the mines, the, right? The mines. Yeah. So they're also Jesus open range. Christ. <laughs> the mines. Is this an is this an actual ongoing problem? Is the child labor in tin mines? <laughs> yeah. Like Malaysian tin mines. What is this? <laughs> this is a Nike soccer ball. We're well, that's what we were just told, right? I mean, they're uh, open range uh, foils, open range tin, open range mines. <laughs> that, we're open just you range know, mines. they gave us money and we said okay. What the hell is an open range, open range mines? <laughs> open range mines. So no, hold on, hold on. Let's stop here. Voss, can you? Can, would you? Can you imagine? Can you please describe me what an open range mind would look like to you, or mine rather? I guess one without fences, so everybody can mine and get their own tin. I don't know. See, he knows. It's like an egalitarian mine. That's interesting. Yeah, it's almost communist. No, socialist. So we don't use that c word on this on this broadcast. We don't. No, I guess we do. I think we just did. How d- we just did. Are you regulating the you damn communist? <laughs> <laughs> Cheeseburger guy over here. Uh, Voss, as you know, so basically, yeah, we're we're tinfoil. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So we try to get organic every time. Well, there goes that sponsor. Yeah. Well, we tried. Um, (laughs) Two episodes in, we're pissed off when we're. (laughs) (laughs) Well, personally, you know, because you call me cheeseburger guy, I have no qualms wrapping my cheeseburger sandwiches in organic tinfoil. That's fair. But the beef isn't free range. I'm kind of hip, hip like that. Right. I have a question for you, Voss. What if you were to make a really odd pairing for like anything? Let me let me let me bring that back to more specific. If you were to like pair an object, like a food preparation object, with something that would absolutely have nothing to do with a kitchen and try to sell it, 
What, what, what to you would be the most absurd mixture? Um, let's see. And I asked the deep questions in this group, so. Yeah. yeah. As deep as the Mariana stretch. The vegetable peeler and face massager. Ooh. Wow. wow. It's like cheese grater against bone. I think that wins. Yeah, that does. I'm, I'm, uh, terrified. I, I just, wow. Well, we, just, not- we just went there. Yeah. So uh, you, you uh, also write horror. Go on. <laughs> or you do now. You have the face massager, and there's the vegetable peeler. And when you're doing the exercises, you're moving your mouth. You're opening and closing, so the blade just kind of peels at the same time and slices. Yeah. That's the I most. Love, I love that he is able to, one, terrify us, and then come up with a perfectly non-terrifying explanation <laughs> of the combination. It, it, yeah. In fact, actually, as you were as you were doing that, I pictured, like, the QVC. What is that? Is that where you buy it online on right, TV? Right, right, right. Or Billy Mays here? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. I, I pictured him, He's like, doing dead, that. by the way. <laughs> yep. The one guy who can't make it through a plane, right? But you have the... Um, but no. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but no, we have uh, <laughs> like. I love you- that that's a criticism of him. Like, fucking Billy Mays. You can't make it through one plane ride. <laughs> Worthless piece of crap. <laughs> I'm just saying. I feel sorry for the guy. I feel for him. The. Um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so do you actually imagine the mechanic? Like, I actually want to see this thing in action. Someone has to make this thing now. Can you patent that for us? Oh, uh, uh, maybe. Because, you know. Would you use it? If you had it. Yeah. If you had it, would you use it? I hate vegetable peelers, so no. Oh, are you? Uh, <laughs> clearly, he's not a vegetarian. <laughs> My favorite part about this is you were the one who picked the item. <laughs> That's well, amazing. Well, a lot of people like them. I just, I hate them. I'd rather use a goddamn knife. <laughs> Good job. So the like, so do you like not like the one where you peel the carrot? Use a knife for that? Yeah. Really? How do yeah. you not like like lose? Dude, he's a culinary school. That's guy. a good point. I mean, he's, he's yeah. This guy's got training. I can't use the peeler without losing half my carrot. Well, yeah. <laughs> Look how he mocks you. He was laughing at you. Yeah, for your he pitiful, was. That was yeah. pitiful I don't culinary blame you. skills. I don't blame you. I would too if I were you. Yeah, Voss. Uh, it's been an absolute blast having you on here. Uh, yeah. For those. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who didn't catch it earlier, Voss Foster, V-O-S-S-F-O-S-T-E-R dot blogspot dot com. Go ahead and check him out. Um, and, uh, Voss, uh, we look forward to, uh, reaching out and chatting with you again. Thank you so much for showing up on here. Yeah, thank you for having me. On the next episode of Three Unwise Men, Bregor, Emildir, are here. Regulus, you ever notice you do get sidetracked a little bit on these things? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I get sidetracked on everything. 